two topics from the conspiracy iceberg. One, the height of human ingenuity. The other one, the lowest point in human depression. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. I'm having a great day now, man. After I recorded the ghost of the haunted apartment episode, I ended up getting... I don't know if I got food poisoning. I don't know if I got a touch of the flu. But, man, I was out of commission for about two or three days. I record most of my episodes on the weekend now, so I have more time to research. But from Sunday evening to today's Wednesday from Sunday evening to Tuesday night man I was I was done and it's so funny because well it's not I was super sick but I was just like I had recorded that ghost episode and I had all those creepy experiences and I was like well I need to sleep in my bedroom I can't really sleep with the light on in my bedroom because there's only one light bulb and it's right above the bed but I'm sick and I have to like lay down and I ended up grabbing my tablet that I got for Christmas from my mom Watched a couple episodes of Star Trek, and then I thought, you know what? I need something comfy to watch. And it's so weird. I've talked to other people about this. It's almost like the show The Office is, like, probably one of the most comfortable shows ever created. It never gets super loud. Well, Michael yells a lot. But it's just one of those... I watched all of season five in about two days. And it's so funny, because I'm watching... I've seen it multiple times before, but I'm watching it... And I'm sick, and I'm hearing these familiar voices from, you know, 10 years ago when I was watching the show when it was brand new on NBC. And it would help me sleep. It's so funny. And what's funny is I knew I was starting to get better. The office was on, and I wasn't watching it. Like, I just had it on, and I was on my phone doing research. I was like, oh, I must be feeling better. I don't have to be staring at this television screen for hours on end. Oh, it was so terrible. Not the show. My sickness. Yeah, I think The Office might actually be the most comfy show. I've met people who absolutely hate that show, though. Because they hate seeing people um, being embarrassed. Like, they can't watch comedy where people are embarrassed. I've met a lot of people like that. I think it's hilarious watching other people be embarrassed. But other people are like, I can't watch it. I can't watch people in awkward situations. But anyway, so yeah, if you're ever sick and you have Netflix... I actually tried looking for X-Files first. But that's not on Netflix anymore, man. What the? Whatever, man. Pretty soon, everyone's going to have to have 10 streaming options. It'll be just as much as cable in the end. So let's go ahead and get started with the episode here. I am feeling better, so I'm I'm happy about that. So I have two topics from the conspiracy iceberg today. And like I said in the intro, one is wonderful. One is a wonderful conspiracy theory. It's one of the ones that I like because it's very happy and enlightening to who we are as a species. Now, on the conspiracy iceberg, there is the phrase, Amazon forest is man-made. And I was like, ugh, is this going to be like mountains or trees? Like, are they going to say that the trees are holograms or they're all metal and whatever? But I was like, you know, it's, it's an evocative phrase. So I typed it into Google and page after page after page pulled up showing from scientists that the Amazon rainforest is indeed man-made. Let's travel back in time. Let's go. We're not going to get in the carpenter copter because I'm still a little nauseous. I don't think I can take the flight. You know what? We're going to the Amazon rainforest. So it's been gone through some rough stuff. 
Let's go carbon neutral. Let's go car. I can't even say that word with a straight face. Let's go carbon neutral with the hoppity hang <laughs> the hoppity hang glider. It's, we each have our own, so it's not we're all not hugging on each other as we're flying over. It's basically a hang glider in the shape of a rabbit, and somehow it still stays afloat. It doesn't just have a picture of a rabbit on it. It's actually the shape of a rabbit. Oh, oh, I wanted to say this too. I got some fan art from Gray of PTA from on YouTube. He sent me a picture. I'll put it in the show notes. He sent me a drawing of Pinko, the uh, the Tulpa slash communist infiltrator. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll put that in the show notes. But anyways, so we're in the Hoppity Hang Gliders. We each got our own. I played a lot of pilot wings back in the day, so I know how to use these things. But we're going to fly not only to the Amazon rainforest, which is in South America, if you didn't know, but we're also, the gentle breeze is going to take us back in time. We're going back hundreds of years. We're going back to basically prehistory. Well, I guess not prehistory, because they were they're writing stuff down, but we don't know the history. It's modern day doesn't know the history. We're in South America. We're flying over the rainforest. And what's interesting is we look down. First, we think there's some sort of Mandela effect going on. There's, there's not a rainforest here. It's, it's, just a, it's just a bunch of bamboo. This isn't what we expected. We expected lush green jungles and jaguars and anaconda and anaconda too. search for the blood orchid. But none of that stuff is down here. We just see bamboo. And this is what, so this is what's interesting. This is 100%, it's a theory. It's a theory, but scientists believe that this is true. The Amazon rainforest, that landscape, used to have a ton of bamboo, which does grow naturally in South America. And at some point, a leader or a group of leaders in that area, they had their tribes, said, you know what? Let's build a supermarket here. Let's cut down all this bamboo. Let's burn it. Let's burn it all. And we are going to reshape the landscape and plant trees that we use. We don't use all this bamboo. So they burned it all down. And the, the smoke's all coughing us as we're flying in our hang gliders. I lose a couple of you. Sorry, no. I need all the listeners I can get as you disappear into the dark smoke below. But anyways, you, you eventually do catch an updraft and get back up to us. So they burn down the bamboo and they begin planting trees like palm trees and trees that provided nuts. Trees that they could use for food and a shelter, like they would have the right bark for them. Trees that were actually useful to the indigenous people. And because now they no longer had to travel out to find these supplies... The population in and around the Amazon rainforest boomed. It was massive. And I'll get to the proof behind this real quick, but because you're like, Jason, just making this stuff up. But no. So the population, now they had all their resources in one single area. So people started coming to the area. They had tons of food. They had tons of material. They could start trading it to other groups. What's interesting is that when... The conquistadors came to South America. In the early reports of the conquistadors, they said, dude, there's like these massive amounts of people here in the Amazon area. B- huge cities full of people. 
And as more and more conquistadors showed up, they're like, uh, no, there's not that many people here anymore. And so when modern researchers were looking back, when they were looking at the first instances of people, like of conquistadors of the West coming to South America, they're like, we think they exaggerated. We really don't think they came across the, a tribe of 10,000 people. We think there was probably 1,000 people. Historical records are usually exaggerated, right? But now what they think happened was they basically, when the conquistadors came, the natives left that area. Either they were killed off, the disease got them, or they just left because they knew bad stuff was coming down the pipe. And once they stopped cultivating that land, stopped working in that supermarket, nature took back over and the rainforest exploded with all sorts of trees, all sorts of plants and and vegetables and and fruits. Do they have fruits down there? Is it a mango a fruit? Are mangoes from South America? Anyways, so... And that created the Amazon rainforest we see today, where it's just a bunch of foliage and it's not necessarily completely useful. So this is the proof behind that. Tons of resources on this. One, when they started burning down the forest recently, the Amazon rainforest recently, to make room for cattle grazing, they started to notice these huge geoglyphs in the ground, which are basically giant shapes, either mounds or trenches, and they're absolutely massive. It's not like just someone drew, you know, like made a trench in the ground and like rolled around in the dirt. Like these are geometric designs and stuff like that. And they go, oh, there must have been like a city center here. Or this was a religious site that got swallowed up by the jungle. Researchers started to notice there was a lot of charcoal in the soil. And they go, it looks like there were a lot of burns in this area in the past. Like, not just like lightning strike burns. It looks like somebody was burning the forest to make room for something else. But the kicker is this. When they look at the Amazon rainforest, which now is completely wild and untamed, and it, it I'm going to do a, a follow-up episode on this, but there's a ton of cryptid sightings there and like lost cities and things like that. But when they look at the Amazon rainforest now, it's just, just jungle. But along the Amazon River Basin, there are 85 different tree species that the natives absolutely used and needed to prosper. And they're like, this isn't by chance. If we look along the basin here in the Amazon rainforest, we will see stretches, basically a supermarket aisle of trees that would be useful to the indigenous people. So the theory is this, that yes, there were massive populations in the Amazon, up to 8 million people, who lived, they basically clear-cut all the bamboo, planted the trees that they needed, and basically would say, you know what I really need? I need a couple papayas. And people are like, I don't think those grow in South America. Well, I'm going to go down to the old Amazon and check it out. They go down there, they pick them, strip off some bark, grab some coffee beans, whatever. And then you you go to your tribe. They basically, they did to the Amazon rainforest what we're trying to do now. When they're doing the clear cutting and using it to produce food for other people, they did that already. It's And I'm not saying that, yeah, we should clear cut the Amazon so McDonald's can sell cheap beef. But I'm saying like it's the same idea. And I always think it's fascinating when we can look back in history 
and see people come up with these plans. And it makes you think, what other natural phenomenon do we see? And we thought, always thought that the Amazon was this pristine virgin jungle. When in fact, it was basically Rayleigh's or Bel Air or Safeway or any other grocery store to them. But once they stopped cultivating it, it overgrew back into the jungle. And I want to end on this note too. It's so funny. I heard a conspiracy theory a long time ago that in Vietnam, this is, well, this is a good segue because we're going to get dark with the next topic. But I heard this good this conspiracy theory that in Vietnam, the Viet Cong used to grab USGIs, they would dig a hole, and they would put sharpened bamboo shafts at the bottom of the hole, like they could grow. They were like, I don't know, had a bulb on the bottom of them. I don't know how bamboo grows. But anyways, and that's why conspiracy works on people like me, because I don't have all the facts. But they dug a hole, and they put the sharpened bamboo shafts in there, and they put the GI, and they buried him up to his neck, and then the bamboo would grow through him, because bamboo grows incredibly quickly. It can grow like a foot every couple hours. So the idea was was that you would basically be sitting there and the bamboo would grow through you and it would be super painful and you would die. And other GIs would find a, a, a soldier buried up to his neck and a bunch of bamboo coming out of his brain. Now what's funny is I, it's when you get older, you meet all sorts of interesting people. I met a bamboo expert on my vacation. I met a girl who specializes in all sorts of stuff, but one of the things that she was an expert on was bamboo. And I've, of course... We're at the um, practice dinner for my brother's wedding, and I go. She tells me, she, I, you know, we're talking about, you know, what do you do? And she goes, oh, you know, da 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 da. She starts talking about ecological stuff, and I don't remember all of it. I just remember her saying the word bamboo, and I was like, oh, have you ever heard the conspiracy theory about? And I told her the story I just told you, and she said, you know, it's funny because I never heard that before. But no, that's not how it would work. She goes, plants take the path of least resistance. So even if you sharpened the bamboo, once it started to hit flesh, it would start to move out of the way. The bamboo is actually not going to pierce through flesh. It's actually, if it wants to grow, it will move, it'll start to curve past his leg and then just go straight up. So you may have found a guy surrounded in bamboo buried up to his neck, but... It wouldn't have killed him. Bamboo does grow quickly, but it would just touch him and then go, it would grow the path of least resistance. So first off, I went home and freed all my prisoners in the bamboo traps I made for them. And secondly, that's the thing, again, coming back around to the Amazon rainforest, it's the path of least resistance as far as just the vegetation grows. These people had totally cultivated the soil for these tropical trees. It used to be bamboo. They totally cultivated the soil and tilled it and made it great for the trees they needed. But once they left, that fertile, fertile soil was overtaken by any plant that came by that could survive in there. So who knows what other mysteries are in there? We'll be covering the Amazon rainforest in a future episode. But again, I just think it's fascinating when we can look at human ingenuity like that and go, they they were far smarter than we thought they were. So... Let's go ahead and move on to our second story. Now, second story is a little more, well, it's a lot more grim. And it was a request, actually. It was on the Conspiracy Iceberg. And this this was a request from Wesley on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and read you off a couple incidents here from this chart. These have been verified incidents. They're all going to be, I'll tell you when they're separate. So I should actually make you choose a number between 1 and 26, but that's quite grim. Case number one, woke up boyfriend, started beating him, attempted suicide. Well, jumps. Case number three, punch a stranger to bowling alley. 
Case number five, irrational and aggressive thoughts meltdown at work. Case number seven, nightmares, mood swings, attacked fiancé with knife. Case number nine, threatened mother with shotgun, locked self in bathroom. Case number ten, became aggressive and odd, attempted to kill self with shotgun, but survived. Case number 11, nightmares, anger, and depression felt would kill someone. Case number 12, punched policeman, threatened others. Case number 15, wanted to get key to gun cabinet to shoot husband. Case number 18, wanted to run off porch and hit neighbors in the face and start killing them. Case 16, screaming and kicking in sleep, suicidal, feared, might attack boyfriend with axe. Case number 20, uncontrollable, extreme irritation felt could kill someone and have no remorse. Case number 21, beat her friend, broke doors in her own home, beat on side of truck. Case number 24, choked his wife in a fit of rage and hung himself. Case number 1, woke up boyfriend, started beating him, attempted suicide. Case number 2, agitated, angry acts that patient could not control, hung self in closet. Case number 13, started hitting daughters, came out of room, yelled at them, shot herself. So... Couple suicides, a lot of violence. These are 26 cases. Now, obviously, I could say 26 of anything and read off the worst of them, and you go, oh, man, that sounds dangerous. But it's, it's, it's quite sad. There was the funny one of... I think I skipped it, but where was that funny one that I kept laughing at? Confronting colleagues at work, overturning furniture. So that kind of reminded me of The Office. But anyway, so what we're talking about here is Chantrix. Now, Chantrix is a very successful smoking cessation drug. And the topic on the conspiracy iceberg and the topic that Wesley suggested was Chantrix psychosis. So this is the theory. There's a lot of debate on what's going on with this. Chantrix is a drug that helps you to stop smoking. It is the most successful thing that you can use to quit stop smoking is Chantrix. FDA did a study on it to see if it was healthy. They originally said, yeah, it's totally fine. When their study, it was a fairly small sample group. And the only listed side effects that put you in the hospital. Other people, though, kept studying the drug over the years. And said, depression doesn't... Like, you can have severe depression and not put you in the hospital. You can overturn furniture at your workplace... And it won't put you in the hospital. So they didn't think that was a correct assessment for the FDA. Other people have looked into it. And they've said that out of all of the anti-smoking options, Chantrix raises your risk of suicide by eight, eight times. It octuples your chances of killing yourself versus the patch or nicotine gum or any other stop smoking drug or method. There was a study that was done saying, no, 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 no. The risk of killing yourself is actually the same as a placebo. That study was sponsored by Pfizer, the makers of Chantrix. It also raises the risk of heart attacks and seizures. So other than having like this basically psychosis, delusions, possible suicide, killing yourself and stuff like that, people still use it. Now, at a certain point, the FDA said, you know what? We're going to put a what we call a black box warning on this product. And, and it's only on products that have like super severe side effects. So they're like, yes, yes, this, this is a really good way to quit. But we need to put like basically like, you know, they have a black box warning on nicotine. 
saying this can cause mouth cancer, this can cause lung cancer, whatever. But in 2016, this is super rare for the FDA to do. In 2016, they removed the black box warning from Chantrix. And they said, listen, the risk, this is their quote, risk of serious side effects on mood, behavior, and thinking is lower than previously suspected. Five million people take Chantrix. And I know I'm just reading off a bunch of facts here, but we're going to get into some interesting stuff. I think that it's all interesting, but five million people take Chantrix. And as far as we know, reportedly, there's been 400 cases of suicidal thoughts and 30 people have killed themselves. So the FDA has said, we, it's that the, yes, it can do that. But if 5 million people take it and we have such a small amount of people just thinking about suicide and even smaller amount of people doing it, we're going to take off the black box warning. So a couple years ago, probably like five or six years ago, I was depressed. It was funny because I was more of like a mix between anxiety and depression. And it got to the point where I was like, you know, because I was moved up here. I didn't have any friends. I was new in town and stuff like that. And I'd kind of been battling with depression for a while, but not just I didn't. A malaise, I guess, would be a big term for it. I remember going to the doctor and I was like, yeah, you know, I just get anxiety a lot and stuff like that. They said, have you ever thought about taking anything for it? And I go, well, I guess it wouldn't hurt. I, I hadn't. And I don't remember what they put me on. I, it was either Prozac or a smaller version of Prozac. Because he, yeah, it was like a half version or something like that. It was like an off something. Because he's like, you're not depressed. You're not going to hurt yourself or anything. I was like, no, no, I just feel like, bleh. I just feel like empty. It's not like a scary depression. I just felt off. And a lot of it had to do, it was so funny because he, he was talking and I go, he goes, what are you depressed a lot about? And I'm all like, I'm depressed a lot about money, but you know, taking a pill is not going to help, you know, pay my rent. He kind of laughed, but what it was, was I was having normal stressors, but I just was not really dealing with them well. I just kind of was ignoring everything, I guess, or, or I let little things really bug me. And it only lasted a couple of months. But he's like, you know, maybe we should try taking this stuff. Maybe we'll see what see what you do with this stuff. And it's so bizarre. It's super bizarre. I took it, and you def your brain chemistry definitely changes. Now, some people definitely need to be taking antidepressants. Absolutely, like they have a chemical imbalance. I didn't have a chemical imbalance. I was just having depression through life stressors. But I could tell that my brain chemistry was changing. I've, I live alone at this point for the majority of my life. And one of the benefits of living alone is you're constantly talking to yourself. You're very introspective. As long as you don't have the television on all day long, you're playing video games all day long, you're constantly dialoguing with yourself. Your brain is basically working. You're very just introspective. And so I know who I am. And I know how my brain works and how my thought processes are and things like that. So for the first time in my life, I felt something. It was so bizarre. I remember talking to the doctor, but I told everyone this story. It was so bizarre because I'm so aware of who I am as a person, as an entity, that once I I could tell within a few days that this thing in there was basically changing my brain chemistry. Felt really weird. Felt super bizarre. It would be like if you kept coming home to your house and every day 
little things were moved. And I'm not talking your car keys, but you come home and your television is in the corner of your room. And you're like watching your room get rearranged over the course of time. That's what it felt like. And the dreams were insane. Absolutely insane. I'm not, I, I hate hearing people's dreams, so I'm not going to tell you about them. But I remember one dream. I woke up. And I was 100% sure that my parents had killed my stepsister. I woke up and I was 100% sure that I helped cover up the murder of my stepsister. And it took me a half hour, wide awake, to realize that that never happened. But I was 100% sure that that had happened. It was bizarre. It was that that would be considered a delusional thought. I remember just waking up and being like, oh my god. What if I ever get found out? And then I had to sit and I had to think, no, no, you saw Joy. You you saw her a couple years ago. She didn't get murdered when she was a teenager. The stepdad and your mom didn't do it. Super bizarre. And here's the thing. If you don't have a strong sense of self, I think drugs that mess with your brain can be absolutely devastating. And I think that's why they affect people under 18 even more. When we look at people who do, you know, they say don't take Prozac or any of this stuff. And that's what Chantrix is. Chantrix I'm not necess- isn't necessarily an antidepressant, but it does change your brain chemistry. And the benefit is to quit smoking. And I'll get into that in a second. But when you take this, and again, if, you're, if, you're, if you need it, absolutely take it. I am not saying in any way, shape, or form, do not take this stuff. Because after I got over the two or three weeks, and all of those cases that I read to you, most of them happened. The longest one that happened was 42 days after starting the Chantrix. Most of them happened within the first week to the first month. So very, very short incubation time. If you need to take it, definitely take it. Just be prepared for that wacky, wacky wild ride in the beginning. And, you know, I have a good doctor. They warned me about all that stuff. And dreams are great. I ended up, though, eventually saying, you know, I don't need this stuff. I took it for probably like five or six months. And I go, you know what? I'm just going to work out. And that worked for me. I said, I think that the fact is that I moved up here. I'm not active. I'm not walking everywhere like I used to. Don't have any friends. I, you know, just I don't have any friends. And I'm dealing with money problems and stuff like that. I'm just going to work out more. And I remember I saw my doctor at the grocery store. And he goes, how are you doing? And I was like, well, you know, I quit taking that medicine you gave me. He's like, really? And I go, yeah. I go, you know, I'm just going to work out. And he goes, you can do that, but you have to treat your working out as your medicine. He goes, do it every day. Take it, treat it like taking a pill. Because he knew, he was also on the thing that he goes, I really don't think you need this. But we'll try it. We'll see what happens. So yeah, he was like, yeah, I, I totally agree. You probably didn't need that stuff, but you got to work out every day, dude, because you are you are struggling with with some stuff. And I'm sharing that story with you guys in case you guys ever, you know, experience this or are experiencing this about, you know, my personal journey with it. But anyways, it's also more into this Chantrix thing. You take this stuff, it changes your brain chemistry. They say the benefit of stopping smoking outweighs the possibility of you killing yourself. And when you look at the raw numbers, that's true. 5 million people taking it, 30 people kill themselves. Now, they had the four, what was it, four or 500 people who had suicidal thoughts. It's, I don't see in that the violent outbursts or the yelling at your loved ones and stuff like that. 
So it's they're mostly just looking at the su- the FDA and all that's looking at the suicide stuff. But if you take that out and we start looking at violent outbursts and things like that, is it really worth it to quit smoking? The FDA says yes, smoking is so terrible. Nicotine is so terrible, which I think nicotine's fine, but you know, smoking and chewing and all that stuff's unhealthy, but it's so terrible. It's worth taking this drug that at the very least, maybe you just stop smoking. Or you start punching people, overturning furniture, or you might kill yourself. Notably absent in all of this stuff, they remove the black box warning. They have these studies, these dueling studies that are coming out. You cannot take it. As of two th- this, this really should be the end of this argument, really. And they should put that black box back on it and say, listen, okay, maybe you won't kill yourself, but it can make you a little crazy. Maybe you should try every... They don't give you lap band surgery right away. They want you to try all sorts of different diets before they cut you open. And again, that works for some people have to have that. Some people have to have that. But they should do the same thing with Chantrix. I have no problem that the drug's out there people can take it, but they go, you should exhaust everything possible before you take this. As of 2008, this should be the end of it. The FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, does not allow pilots to use Chantrix at all. If you are flying a plane, you cannot take this drug. That should be the level of how dangerous this can be. may not make you kill yourself, but it may make you incredibly angry or depressed or sobbing. I don't want a pilot overturning furniture. It really should just be the end of it. But they took the black box warning off the Chantrix. People are taking it every day. And I'm glad that it works for most people. But before you decide to take any sort of drug that does affect your brain chemistry, my advice to you would be, how well do you know yourself? So when those intrusive thoughts, those alien thoughts come into your head, can you deal with them? Or will they sneak in and trick you into thinking they are part of you? How well do you know yourself? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>